Hey guys, what's up? It's Greg Srizvlasti, another installment of Flick City. You're going to have two interviews from Eric Holmes, one interview from me. We're covering two projects. The first project is Christmas Bloody Christmas. Currently, as of this recording, it's available on Shutter. Go see this movie if you don't have the Shutter streaming subscription service. It's worth it. It's a, I don't even know how much it is right now. Maybe seven, six, seven dollars a month. It's a great streaming service, especially if you like horror, thriller, genre films. Some really great stuff, new stuff coming out of Shutter. The people over at Shutter, the powers that be, over at Shutter and RLJE Films, they've supplied us, our cinematics family, with a whole bunch of interviews. So bias aside, there there really is no bias. I actually want to cover these interviews because I love the movies, most of the movies that come out of Shudder, Bruce and Eric, Bruce Perkin and Eric Holmes, hipped me to the streaming service a couple of years ago. And since then, we've been really covering the heck out of the movies that are coming out of the Shudder lineup. Half of this episode deals with Shudder, and that is Christmas, Bloody Christmas. Very simple story. We reviewed it last week on Cinematics. Riley Dandy, believe her name. That's the actress. Riley Dandy is plays a girl named Tori, and Tori is pretty much, she's being stalked or attacked or pursued by a robotic evil Santa who is murdering pretty much everyone in sight. And Riley Dandy makes a great final girl in this movie. Great performance. I think one of my favorite performances of 2022. Really stand out work. The movie itself, it's shot on film. Beautiful looking movie. So credits to Joe Bigas for actually not going the easy way. I, I don't even know what it, how hard it is to shoot on film, I'm sure. Anderson worked really hard to shoot the groupers on digital. Most films are shot on digital, but any time a hero filmmaker is shooting on film, like Joe Bigos, there's a little bit of a bias there regarding the actual quality of the film because this movie looks really great, grainy, visually immersive, just feels, you can actually feel the celluloid. So just a bias on my part, but whether you love film or not, even if you love, you could care less just as long as it's a good story. Christmas, Bloody Christmas is a very good story. And if you like these type of horror thriller meets the Terminator type of construct, you could enjoy Christmas, Bloody Christmas. Yes, it is bloody. There are things that may offend you. Just just get ready. And there's some really cool narrative shifts that I enjoyed. Now, for our Patreon members, you will you will be able to actually, you can actually access right now my extra interview with Riley Dandy. I have some extra footage with Riley talking about her thoughts on a very pivotal part in the movie. So that, it's it's a great part in Christmas, Bloody Christmas. So if you want to get that exclusive stuff, become a member of our Cinematics Patreon. I try my best when I do these interviews to ask the filmmakers and actors about the ending of the movie. So right now, currently, as we speak, there is a talk, some spoiler talk on Christmas, Bloody Christmas. There is an ending spoiler talk on another film, which was released a couple of weeks ago, directed by Travis Stevens, named A Wounded Fawn. Just a really interesting movie as well. So you're going to get some really great spoiler stuff regarding that on our Cinematics Patreon feed. Anderson and I will be, will be recording our bonus episode for Patreon next week. And I believe we're covering... What year are we covering... I know I'm covering the movie Les Samurai, so whatever that year is, we're covering that year, and Anderson hasn't gotten to me yet as far as what movie he's covering, but we will be taping next week. I should actually, yes, 1967. We are covering the year 1967. I'm 
I was going to say, I'm going to interview Alan Dillon. How can I be doing that? But I'll be reviewing Les Samurai from, I believe, who is the director? My, my brain is mush right now. He is a director I love. Yes, Jean-Pierre Melville. Jean-Pierre Melville. So I'm going to be covering The Samurai or Les Samurai. And Anderson will be telling me shortly what his pick for 1967 is. Again, we're recording that next week. So again, for Flick City, long intro, I apologize. You're going to get my interview with Riley Dandy. You're going to get Eric Holmes' interview with Joe Bigas. And last but not least is an interview that Eric Holmes was really excited to do last week. And now... It's a, an interview with Casper Kelly. He's the director behind the Adult Swim U-Log. My apologies to Eric. I should have actually released this on our YouTube, on our Deep Stream YouTube channel on Monday because that's when the surprise happened. The surprise is over. But just for posterity's sake, look, some of you don't even know anything about the surprise. This whole Adult Swim U-Log, I believe, was not even supposed to be a film. This is just a film that dropped on every content that dropped on everyone's laps, laps without any kind of fanfare or publicity. So that was kind of a cool way, kind of a cool thing. So Adult Swim U-Log, it's an interview from Eric with cast director Casper Kelly. So again, Joe Bigos with Eric Holmes from Christmas Bloody Christmas, my interview with Christmas Bloody Christmas actress Riley Dandy, and last but not least is Eric Holmes's talk with Adult Swim U-Log filmmaker Casper Kelly. Okay, so we're getting towards the end of the year, so the next couple of weeks, I have a whole bunch of interviews that I'll be posting on the Cinematics podcast feed, so within the next couple of weeks, you're going to get at least two or three extra episodes every week just from the interviews that I've called and Erica's called as well. So just get ready for that. It's just the end of the year. A lot of content is coming out. You're not going to have just a deluge of three to four episodes per week on cinematics. It's just the way it is. And I believe probably the last week of December, it might tail off. when That's when everyone, all the publicists and actors, they pretty much finished. And pretty much most of the people in the world, they have that two-week just dead period. For us, it's the last week of December, just FYI. So Right now, this is for Christmas Bloody Christmas and the Adult Swim U-Log. Later this week, I have, well, I'm going to interview the director, Zach Golden, from this movie called High Heat. I've already interviewed two actors from that, Chris Diamantopoulos and also Caitlin Doubleday. So that's a very interesting movie. I will be posting that those podcast interviews later this week on Friday, as well as my interview with the Apology actress, not actress, the Apology filmmaker Allison Starlock. That's a very cool film. And again, that is, will be streaming this week on Shudder. I'll be talking about it this week on Cinematics. Okay. That's a long intro. It's seven minutes. I apologize for that. Check out the show notes for the breakdowns for the interviews. All right, guys. Love you. Thanks for supporting me, Anderson, Eric, and Bruce on Cinematics. Take care. Bye. Hi, Riley. You've been getting this all day. But this interview, this interview is 15 minutes, but physically preparing for this movie, I'm sure took a lot longer than 15 minutes. Was it smoke and mirrors or was it just a lot of training involved to actually get ready for this role? Um, I don't think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, to be honest. I think everything about this movie from top to bottom is as practical as it gets. Um, yeah, from the stunts to the robot to uh <laughs> me being exhausted to uh the the bruises and scrapes and scratches that I had um yeah everything was very like physical and full on so fun I never thought in my life that I would see uh Abraham Ben Ruby as Santa so what was that like working with Santa I guess part Santa and part maybe effect but what was that collaboration like for you 
Yeah. So he, Abe is the sweetest man on earth, but when he wants to be, he can be absolutely terrifying because he's also just like this huge mountain of a man. (laughs) And so that inherently was scary. Um, But, you know, it was nice because on the weekends we would talk about and share our love for for wine and all of the things. So um, it was a nice like opposite to have because he was so scary during the week. And then on the weekends, um, he's just the sweetest. Speaking of wine and all of the things, I think half of Christmas, Bloody Christmas can be considered a romantic comedy. Can you tell our listeners in a way how awesome that is? I, I just think that's awesome. There, you could. St- I don't know if you want to stay for the second half. I say stay for the second <laughs> half. But can you just talk about that part of the movie, I think, which really anchors the whole narrative? Yes. So I think you are the first person that has said that. I've been saying that to everyone, that it can technically be considered a romantic comedy as well as much as joe does not want to hear that um the first half of the film is a total like hangout film and you really want these people to get together and tori the character that i play i think she doesn't let many people in on such a personal level maybe sexually yes but like i I think they just have this incredible personal bond and they just understand each other and you're really rooting for them which makes it so much more heartbreaking when it doesn't go well um so yeah i agree with you full full heartedly verbal gymnastics is that hard it seems hard on the screen it was fun watching it but is it a challenge or maybe again going back to the first question maybe not as hard as one would assume i guess um it's definitely like an acting exercise uh we would have you know so much of the dialogue that we have is such specific niche references in pop culture. And um, so obviously I had to do a lot of studying to make sure I knew what the hell I was talking about. And um, on the day, I'll never forget this one day, Joe comes up to us and he's like, Hey, scratch all the dialogue. We're shooting in half an hour. Here's seven new pages of dialogue. Seven. Yeah. Wow. He wrote on the back of his script. He hand wrote seven new pages of dialogue. So Sam, the actor who plays Robbie, and I are sitting there like running lines together. We have, you know, 15 minutes now until we're on set. Um, and that was very stressful, but also so fun because I was like, I was like, we're either going to get this or we're not, but what the hell, it's a good try. And uh, yeah, definitely ver- ver- verbal gymnastics for sure. I'm obviously still recovering from it. <laughs> you know, you know this, I'm going to save this for the, my masterclass interview. I'm going to use your, your bite. I'm just kidding. But what is there a key? Is there a key to learn seven pages on the day or maybe on the minute? Or is it just you fly by the seat of your pants? I mean, is there something that you have in your brain or your skill set that can let you absorb that pretty quickly? Yeah. So luckily, I'm very, very thankful that my line learning ability is pretty agile. Um keeps me young. <laughs> yeah, it's I I think luckily it was okay, but I think the stress on top of it was just like fuck, I hope we get this. Um and again and again, Joe doesn't just come at you and hand you easy dialogue. It's more niche references that I've never heard of in my life. And so Sam and I are like YouTubing what this means and we're like, "Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's a funny reference. Okay, cool. We get it now." Um, and then, yeah, as soon as we started filming, I remember after we cut the first take of the new dialogue, we looked at each other and we were like, we did it. (laughs) Um, so yeah, exciting stuff. 
Riley, what is it like? I mean, with all due respect to all the work you've done in the past and all the work you're going to continue to do, this yeah. is just a standout role. And it's one of these roles that the, the projects that every single Christmas, this is going to be a, a top 10 for a lot of people as far as, far as favorite uh, Christmas movies for posterity. But I guess on a selfish note, what is it like to actually have a role that that's just a knock it, knock it out of the park kind of role? You know? Thank you for saying that. Um, I, yeah, I, Tori is very, very close to my heart. Um, and I think more than like any recognition or anything like that, like I learned so much about myself during the filming of Christmas, Bloody Christmas, um, which inherently will set me up for the future. And like learning that I love doing action. I love doing stunts. I love, you know, like the night shoots, even though they're hard, it was incredible. Um, and I loved getting home at 8.30 a.m. and having to like shower the blood out of my hair and off my skin. And I think all of that would have been worth it on its own. But the fact that like this character, um, I think hopefully people love her and think she's a badass. And I, it makes me like really grateful that that she's mine. Well, I don't want to hammer home the point, but do you just keep on moving forward with your career or do you say, you know, do you even realize that these kind of roles are whether no matter what age you are, no matter what sex you are, they, they don't come. They don't, they're, they're very few and far between. Is that something that you just realized from the get go? Um, I think, I think when I was on set was when I realized it, like I realizing how special it was. And like, we had a pretty small crew and like looking around and realizing like how much all of us were giving our everything to this movie. I was like, Oh shit, this is really special. Um, and like, unless we get to do it again, uh, you know, I, I don't think I ever will play a character like Tori. I, I, <laughs> I hope I do, but like, this has been the most special experience in my life. After watching this movie, I talked to my podcast co-hosts and we were all saying how much we loved it. And one of my buddies, one of my co-hosts said, he said, look, dude, go to your DVD shelf right now and go watch VFW. Just what, for you, are you, what makes Joe a special filmmaker, storyteller, just since you actually have the bird's eye seat as far as a collaborator? Uh, what What's the question? Yeah. what's What makes him a unique filmmaker for you? Just- oh, what makes him unique? Oh my God. So many things. Um, <laughs> he the fact that Joe operates the camera as well, we're shooting on film and not many people know this, but he's also the camera operator on top of also writing it. So he's completely enveloped in the story that you're telling. And like, he leaves room for no questions because you guys have fleshed it out so well together that like he helped me have a complete and full, whole understanding of the story we were telling and who I was playing. And and then he would also let me come to the table with my ideas. Um, so it felt like such a massive mesh of both Joe and I. And he gives us so much freedom to improv, to move around the set as much as we want, because he's like, I'll get you. I'll get you. Do what you want. He's very like intuitive. Um, and so, and I've never worked with anyone like that before. And so he's just like there in the trenches with you, which is sick. And like the big final scene of it all, you know, we have this epic fight scene with the overhead sprinklers coming down and we were filming this in Northern California and it was freezing and the water was so cold and he could have easily been sitting back watching me go through that. Um, 
but he was like turning down any opportunity to even wear a jacket. Cause he was like, Riley's not wearing one. So I'm not going to wear one and like suffered with me through that, which I, which I'll remember that forever. That was amazing. It, did it still blow your mind that you were saying shooting on film and still having the freedom to actually work in that playground? Because if any yeah. director, even, even the most talented directors, if they're shooting on film, like, you can only walk within this block because yeah. time is money. It, does that amaze you? I'm just, yeah. Yeah. I had to learn how to hit a mark again after, after working on this, because I got so used to just like going where my body wanted to go. Um, so for that, I'm a little annoyed with him because <laughs> I've gotten in trouble on set since then. Um, but yeah, it was like, I've never had that freedom before. He's amazing. That's amazing. Final question, Riley, just right off the top of your head. This is a very impossible question, but can you name one of your all-time favorite films? And what is it about the specific movie that still resonates with you today? Oh, boy. Um, I think, I don't know if this is a very cliche answer, but one of my favorite movies that, the first movie that like really moved me and made me really, really want to act was Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, I think... Clementine is an incredible character. I think their relationship is so uh, layered and beautiful. And um, yeah, that was the first movie I watched where I was like, oh, I, I have to act. I have to, I have to tell stories because that affected me so deeply. And lastly, have you been able to actually enjoy this movie with an audience as opposed to cast, crew and family? Or is that still in the offing down the road? No, I've, I've gone to most of the film festivals that it's been at. Um, coolest experience of my life seeing it in LA with a bunch of horror fans that were cheering and screaming and laughing um was so incredible Riley thank you so much for your time really love the film and hope to talk to you down the road so thank you so much all right take care you too I'm Eric with Cinematics I'm here with Joe Bagos the writer and director of Christmas Bloody Christmas and First of all, I got to tell you, uh, when we got the, we got the screener for this, I'm like, oh, Christmas, bloody Christmas. You know, I, I always like, uh, the, the horror Christmas themes. Um, but then I found out, oh, this is a guy that did VFW and that on our podcast, that was like one of our top movies that year. And so I was very excited. And since I got you here, I also wanted to tell you, um, one of my favorite things about VFW is you have like great character introductions. Like you got the bear Jew from Inglorious Bastards, Willy Wonka, where he's kind of coming out falling. Like y'all have all these great uh, character introductions. You in VFW, you had one of the best ones with William Sadler just popping up out of the back back of the uh, bed of the truck. So I got to ask, was that was that in the script or was that just something you came up like as a funny gag to do on the day? Um, that was in the script, and uh, I actually didn't think that Sadler would do it because I was doing the shot in a one where the, the truck comes in and lands, and we zoom in. So it's like he's not just laying back there. It's like he's laying back there while fucking, you know, the truck's bouncing over curbs and taking turns and stuff. But, you know, to his credit, he was like, oh, it'll be a funny moment, it'll be a funny moment. So, yeah, he uh, he did it. Um, so that was in the script. Um, I, I The script, that's the only script I didn't write. You know, that was um, my buddies Max and Matt McCarl wrote that. Um and that gag was like one, you know, we improv a lot. I added a lot of stuff, but that gag was in the script from the very start and uh, it stuck it all the way through to the shoot. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm glad I got to talk to you about that. Cause I, that was one of my favorite things. Um, another uh, favorite thing, cause your only movies I've seen so far is this one, Christmas, Blood, Christmas, BFW. And now after watching both these, I got to go back and hit up the rest of your stuff, but in both this, and I think I like this one better in Christmas okay. Bloody Christmas is yours and I's musical taste seem to line up almost exactly. 
Uh, there was the uh, the bar scene where uh, in Christmas, Blade Christmas, I'm listening. I'm like, who the fuck is that band? I know that I know that band. I had a I this is probably a complete faux pas, but I had to pause the movie, skip to the end credits. Oh shit, he put ISIS in this. This is fucking sweet. And of course you have Unsane in VFW. Like, um, and now because of you, I'm kind of getting into Death Crux. Like, uh, I, I, I just uh the guitarist get Death Crux was the cinematographer on Christmas Buddy Christmas. Oh, so you should watch uh I made this movie called Bliss that actually has ISIS over a crazy freak out scene um at the end that's amazing and death crux plays a live show in bliss during like another freakout scene so i think you'd really like bliss <laughs> oh yeah that that was definitely next on my radar um yeah the and also um so um yesterday we recorded the the new episode that's coming out where we review christmas bloody christmas by the way all high marks from all three of us but uh one of the things we kind of uh, brought up beyond the, the, you know, the fun watching the characters and then, you know, when they die kind of hits you, certain characters do like asshole things. So when they die, still kind of feel bad for them, but uh, it, it reminded us a lot of uh, Terminator and um, it, it's almost like a, a Christmas cheer over endo metal endoskeleton, something like that. Yeah. Uh, is Please, please tell me if anyone's going to do a Terminator movie. Can you please write and direct it? Because that would be awesome. Um, well, simultaneously, I would love to do a Terminator movie, but I, it's so much to live up to. I think the only way you can do a Terminator movie now is if you just make it like, you know, not like this, but like, you know, just a gra- a super gnarly grounded, like small scale movie. Like, you know, I think that we're over the kind of there's nowhere to go beyond Terminator 2. You know, you definitely got to go back to the basics and just make a gnarly movie. So you know i don't know i would i would maybe do it if i was allowed to do that you know kind of just crazy with it i i would say i already did because this is this is probably my favorite terminator (laughs) three this might as well be but um yeah yeah, this and also uh this was was this greg said this was shot on film and i don't have a real good eye for that but uh, what what was the the what was the idea behind that and more importantly where where do you get film nowadays oh this is my third movie shot on film um uh kodak still makes film you know uh they got it a, a place right here in la or you can uh have it shipped um so they're still spitted out film you know there's there's actually more and more people shooting on film now we had a, a uh a shortage during this movie so we had to you know kind of track down a bunch of stuff from around to get it because you know like euphoria shoots on film and there was some other big movie shooting on film but um i just love the way it looks i love the aesthetic of it um film is so fast now like the film stocks and the lenses that it looks you know you can shoot it just like you would digital with low light and um i think that the final product just looks beyond the grain like the way it reacts to light and all that and um it helps you know whether or not people uh can tell like with their eye i think subconsciously it makes the uh, performances more organic it makes the effects more organic it covers up lack of uh budget in certain areas you know production design even though this we had really rich production design but there's just something about the whole feel and aesthetic and look of it that um i think just elevates almost every element of the movie to me and you know the cost of it is not not much compared to what you get out of it in my eyes yeah also um uh riley dandy and sam is it sam delick delich I, I still fuck it up i think it's delick yeah delick um they had great chemistry in this and um riley especially uh i mean hell going back to the terminator like the sarah connor like she's not quite the sarah connor character but she's got like her character is like that really strong 
character in this and i loved her in this where did you find her and how did you get uh where did you find him as well like um how how much went into finding like their chemistry or was that just a happy accident uh both of them um came through all the audition process and they both knocked me out you know with their initial auditions and then you know i kind of went through worked with them each a little bit more through subsequent meetings before i decided to actually cast them i never got to get them in the same room so it was hard to tell the chemistry but like i knew i could tell from the way that they were playing the dialogue and the way that they were riffing certain things that um they we would have all we all kind of would have been on the same page and got together and you know thankfully my instinct was right because they you know uh hit it off pretty quickly and um their chemistry and their reading of the character and how they inhabited the words that i wrote really elevated it you know with the wrong casting could have just made the dialogue sound insufferable (laughs) also like uh, i guess speaking of characters um you do the you do the thing in this movie where um like there's certain characters that like oh they're definitely they're definitely uh just going to be bloody meat by the end of this and then there's other ones that you're not sure and then so like uh you'll you'll kill off certain people early that you might not suspect would be killed off early and then that kind of adds stakes so what's kind of your thoughts on that just in general uh yeah i agree i like um I don't like going through movies where it's like, there's no tension because like, Oh, this person might survive. This person might. So, I mean, obviously there's, you know, the lead character is never going to like die before the end of the movie, unless it's psycho. So like, you need to give an element of danger. Like, will they die at the end? You know, they're not going to die before then, but let's set up the stakes enough where, Oh, everybody's disposable. Everybody can go. And I also like when, even when the characters survive, they get to the end of the movie and they're just like bloody and beaten and they're never going to be the same. And like, they're dragging themselves around and they're visibly you know, fu- like fucked up. Like, I love that. So I kind of like setting up a world where, yeah, nobody is safe. Um, and I also like setting up like something beyond disposable characters that, you know, are going to get killed because obviously, you know, the secondary characters in any slash movie are going to get knocked off quick. But like, if we do give them a role or a life to inhabit and we give them a little bit more than that. And then you start picking up these people that range in importance in the story. Like, yeah, it all bets are off and maybe fucking, you know, the final girl ain't going to make it till the very end. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I, I could talk to you forever, uh, but this is wrapping up, but I got one last thing. Uh, Bruce wanted me to ask um, if there was any thoughts of getting King diamonds, no presents for Christmas into the soundtrack and uh follow up to that. Is there any plans on releasing like a, uh, soundtrack for Christmas, Bloody Christmas, because I I love every song on this on this movie. Um, no, we didn't even try for King Diamond because of our budgetary limits. We actually tried for Run Rudolph Run from Lemmy and Billy Gibbons, and even that was like way the fuck out of our oh. price. Um, unfortunately, maybe for the sequel, if we get a little bit more money, I can get um some of my favorite, you know, the very select few Christmas songs I have in there. Uh, there's not going to be a soundtrack for. Uh, the movie, like in the sense where the songs will be there, like that kind of soundtrack, but they are going to release um, the the score on a, okay. on LP and uh, CD. Um, although I think my other movies, people have done it. I don't know if they've done it on this yet, but on Spotify, usually somebody will put together a, an official soundtrack playlist of the movie. They'll track down all the songs. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the uh, deal with that. I, I, I hope we get more money, though. I, I, my dream is to uh, get a really fat um music licensing budget for one of my movies so i can actually put in you know like all my favorite music that's not like an indie band you know i do love yeah. all the music in this, but they're very much you know i'm, I'm not being i'm not able to secure motorhead or anything yeah. like that. 
Well, I, I think you're killing with the the indie bands. Like like I said, our our tastes kind of converge a lot, and I I'm enjoying all of them. And um, what's uh, so we got Bliss, The Mind's Eye, and Almost Human um, as your three previous movies before v, VFW. Yep. And are all those available as well? Yeah, they're all available. Uh, I don't know. Almost Human and Mind's Eye are both streaming on like Tubi and maybe. Hulu, I don't know. They're around. They're definitely on iTunes and on Blu-ray and all that. Bliss is everywhere. Bliss is on Amazon Prime, Shutter, Arrow Player, uh, Tubi. Fucking, it's on like five different things, and it's also on Blu-ray. Um, Bliss is the one that you know. Bliss and VFW and Christmas Buddy Christmas, I think, are my my three best movies. Uh, so I would definitely check out Bliss um, as soon as possible. Oh, I, I definitely will. Well, th- thank you, Joe, for joining me, and I wish we could talk for hours and just go over. Uh, early 2000s metal <laughs> and, well, we'll a lot to talk about in the next one uh so oh damn straight for sure all right so uh i'm eric with cinematics and i'm here with casper kelly uh the writer and director of uh the adult swim heel log and uh for anyone that's uh anyone that's seen it um will know some stuff we're gonna get into those who have not um, maybe check it out. Otherwise, you know, talking about how you shoot a uh, log on fire for two hours is might not be as interesting to you. So uh, maybe go check out two, three minutes of it just to get an idea of what you're uh, in for. And then maybe come back to this. But all right. <laughs> I, think, I think they're all gone. No, you two get out of here. Go watch you log and come back. All right. Okay. They're gone. So Casper. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm Emma hit me up about this. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You'll log that. That'll be fun. And then uh, I'm watching it about two minutes in, starting to hear stuff in the background. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, wow, this is freaking cool. I think it hasn't been since, um, I think it was a couple years ago during the Super Bowl. There was a big deal that they were going to have a trailer for uh, Cloverfield Paradox, the new Cloverfield movie. And then instead of playing, they played the trailer, but then they said, watch it on Netflix after the Super Bowl. And I remember watching that go, holy crap. And this kind of has that same kind of flavor of, uh, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch Rick and Morty and uh, watch this Yule Log for a bit. And wait, what is this? I, like, I, I don't know what the reaction is going to be, um, but I imagine it's got to it's going to be exciting for some people. How do oh, you good. I hope so. The, how did you hide this from everyone up until now? Uh, I got to give, uh, our excellent PR team a lot of credit. I, um, Hmm. How are we hiding it? Uh, I, we're just, I think every, everyone who's involved, uh, gets the idea of it and is excited to surprise people. And that's harder to do now, um, with the, the communication we have. So, but it's, it's fun to be surprised and suddenly have a, hopefully have a treat land in your lap. So, um, yeah, yeah. So hopefully that works. Yeah. And um when when were you was this your idea that you pitched to Adult Swim or did yes. they come at you with it or how how did all that it, uh manifest? It was it was just an idea I had in the holidays last year of seeing a Yule log and I just got this image of blurry legs walking in front of it and some dialogue. <laughs> and I thought, "Oh yeah, you're locked off on this Yule log and then you could you could actually have a story, have it become a, a, a movie. <laughs> and it kind of grew from there. 
Yeah. And he did kind of, he did uh, commit to that through a lot of the movie of just, uh, just being on the log and then backed up a bit. And I'm like, wow, this is like a, this is like watching a play. This is kind of, this is kind of cool. And then you had that, um, uh, there was uh someone put down like an ice bucket or something in the foreground. Yes. And he played, even played with that a little bit. He had some yes. uh, fun stuff going on in there. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It was a matter of layering and, and trying to, to utilize limitations as long as you can until it's time to do something else. Yeah. And then uh, also um, the, uh, I don't know how much we want to get into that. There's a, there's a bit about the fireplace, like the fireplace is front and center. I mean, the, the Yule log itself um, is a, a villain in the movie. Um, but the, uh, <clears throat> the uh, idea of going into the fireplace um that was very strange i mean uh, you did too many cooks and that's a perfect example of uh kind of how um it starts off as a thing okay i think i know what this is and then you just have a way of going off the rails in a beautiful way and it's no different here um thank what, you what what was i guess the the ideas of like uh when you're writing do you just like you know what that's a that idea is stupid and i write it Oh no, that's not stupid at all. That's freaking cool. <laughs> like how's the writing process for stuff like that go? Oh yeah. Yeah, you're right. It is, it is sort of <clears throat> just brainstorming and daydreaming about what you want to happen or what might be cool. And then I in too many cooks and in this one, I kind of just decided to use all of them. Like I think a normal movie they might have gone, "Okay, we'll pick this villain and extrapolate from there. But I kept getting different ideas for villains. So I'm like, why not use all of them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's uh, plenty of other villains to come. Um, also, I wanted to talk about the end credits. There was a voice I heard that was, sounded very familiar to me. I was like, where have I? Oh, I, had, I hadn't heard the song before, but I know that voice. And then it gets to the it gets to the music credits and it's Mike Greer. I'm like, why do I know that name? And, oh, okay. Oh, they, there it is. So how did uh, how how did that come about? Because that was the clown. You mean yes? Yeah, I, I, uh, you said it. I didn't want to say it, but you said okay. It. <laughs> oh, is that yes? But, no, I uh, think that's okay. Uh, uh, well, he lives here and he's a friend. I've been friends with him since before he was Puddles, and uh, it just. And I I had that song. I wrote the lyrics and uh, my friend, Sean Coleman, who wrote Too Many Cooks, uh, composed that song and we recorded it with Mike. And uh, it, it was um, it was uh, yeah, it was a it was a treat for me. And I originally was going to have uh, Puddles possibly in the movie singing in the background on a certain set in the fire but he was on tour. So we weren't able to use him while we were shooting. So I thought, uh, well, let me, let me get him to do a song then. Yeah. And, and he's got such a beautiful voice and it, it kind of, uh, it uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, not ironic. My brain doesn't work this morning, but it, yeah, it, it went really well and just kind of brings you down from the, the chaos that happened all before that. Oh, thank you. Because yeah, we I didn't have time to screen this with people, so I was I was like, does this work? Does this fit? So I'm glad you like the song. I like it too. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. That makes me happy. 
Now, how does I got to I got to imagine screening would hurt a movie like this because you figure you screen a movie like this um, and then you start getting notes of like, oh, that's weird. And that's I, I don't understand that. But I think that's a lot of the charm in what you do. And so I imagine if you're screening it, getting those notes and then having to go back and like cut stuff that just is just ridiculous and charming and awesome. Well, not it. I think what you're saying is like a focus group or something. Okay. Yes. I think that would, but I, but luckily adult swim is, is very creativity friendly and very creator friendly and they did watch it and they supported it. You know, they had a couple of small notes, but it was a negotiation and, and they, they got it and and it was great. Um, I, what I meant was sort of watching it with a live audience where you can just feel if they're what's working or what's dragging a little bit, you just get a feeling, you know? Um, but we, we just didn't really have time to do that. I bet I want, but then again, I did, that's not quite true because we had such a compressed schedule. We we had six editors, so we all would watch it. So uh, yeah. So I guess we did have an audience, a screening. You, do you bring like one of your friends that hadn't seen it in yet and go, that's, it's, come here, check this out. What the fuck is wrong with you? This is awesome. Yes, 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 I did. <laughs> uh, sweet. Also, um, I didn't know this before, but you wrote the Cheddar Goblin sequence from Mandy. Mandy's like yes. one, one of my favorite movies ever. And the Cheddar Goblin was awesome. I like anything green with big ears since my favorite gremlins or favorite movies gremlin. So. Um, how did are you, that hey, are you about? using are you using this interview as video or is it a transcript or how are you using it? I can use it for whatever you want. Um, oh, okay. uh, but probably not transcript. It, it'll either be video or audio. Okay. Uh, well, I, I was going to bring out the cheddar goblin, but he, oh, do it. Do such it. A pile. We'll, we'll okay. use that part for video for sure. We have time. I'll, give me one second. All right. Hello there. Oh, sweet. Uh, anyway. Yes. Yeah, sorry to derail that, but. <laughs> <laughs> so my address is 4440 Saddlewood Drive, Colorado Springs, Colorado. You can send it there whenever you like. Okay. Is overnight okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right, okay. fine. Um, right. But yeah, how, how, how did you come across? Uh, uh, how did you get involved with Mandy? Oh, they they just sent me a uh, mysterious email. <clears throat> Pan, I, Panos and I became friendly after too many clerks. And I got an email from Belgium from one of his producers that they had this idea of a commercial because they were looking at props in that sort of Seven Eleven shop. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, where uh, Mandy works. And they had a, a product. They were going to have, they were thinking of fake products to fill it out. And they got the idea of cheddar, cheddar goblin macaroni and cheese. So <laughs> then they wanted to do a commercial, but Panos couldn't do it because he was shooting the movie. So they asked me to. Awesome. Well, uh looks like unfortunately it looks like we're about out of time. But I want to thank you for coming on and this was a wonderful surprise, a wonderful uh, Christmas present you bestowed oh, upon me. And I cannot thank you enough for that, especially. Um you got any more uh, hidden movies like a hidden Marvel or hidden Star Wars or hidden hopefully not, but yeah. I'm trying, like Eric. I'm trying. <laughs> I got the bug now. I want to make more movies. Yeah. Well, that, I, I gotta say, you're pretty talented, and I I love your just wacky kind of insane uh, kind of uh, mind, and I can't wait to see more of what you do. Oh, thank you so much.